I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Teddy Coward. I'm from Southwest London. And you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, I've got £46,000 in student debt. So was there any point in me going to university? Okay, here comes the show. And remember... Question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizzard. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from. Well, we're talking everything from Teddy from Southwest London's question. He's got 46 grand in student debt. Was there any point in going to university, Dane? My goodness. Was there any point? It depends what he's studying. I don't think it's proving useful, just I, to let you know. I think, I, I hope it's massive importation of narcotic studies because no, then maybe no. you'd be able to flip that money. But um, I think if you've been lumbered with debt and you are not in the position to be beginning repayments, you started to like an advert in, there for PPI or something. Uh, I, think, I think we're at that point now where right. if you're 46 grand in debt, like you really should have uh, reassessed your options uh, 16 grand ago. But that being said, uh, there are other reasons you can go to university but you probably don't need to pay 46 grand for the same experience so I are, would yeah. agree and um, you know what Teddy everyone suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions don't we Dane absolutely no question is too highbrow too lowbrow and your questions will be accepted even if you have to go through to clearing so if you do like our show please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or you can subscribe to us on Acast the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is an inspirational figure in black British culture and global black culture. He is the founder of Dope Black Dads, a support group and podcast that works to challenge outdated stereotypes about black fatherhood. The group has become a community of knowledge sharing and support and has reached tens of thousands of people across the UK, the US and South Africa, has won awards and created a global collective of mums, dads, queer disabled men and women community groups are all dope together. His children's book, I Love Me, is out now and his new book, Dope Black Dads, Life Lessons and Learnings on Black Fatherhood is out in June 2022. Should let you know that his children's book, I Love Me, is now currently sitting at number five on Amazon's book charts. Yeah, Yeah, we love that. So it is our privilege and pride to be associated with and to welcome to the show, Mr. Marvin Harrison. So today I've known you a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. You've never talked to me like that before. Yeah, I wrote that. (laughs) I wrote that. I wrote that. (laughs) How wrote it? Yeah, yeah. But Dane said it. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that was, that was emotionally no, no, saying No, because we've talked no. about you coming back on the show. It's worth listeners. I don't know if you listened to the original Marvin episode. This is It was a couple of years ago. It was. My life wasn't as good then. Your life, <laughs> mate. And I wrote, I, I wrote, updated your bio. I got to enjoy talking to you a year or two Aww. ago. And I updated that bio. I was like... Yes, Marvin. Yeah. Like, smiling, like, mate, proud. Like, honestly, I'm I know we know awkward. how much it we know how much it takes to get it going. It, yeah. So, like, respect. Mate. I appreciate. It. I'm very awkward. So basically, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, where I grew up in Dawson, across the road is a bookshop, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want my book in that shop. I don't care. Yeah. I don't at all costs. And so I went in there and I was like, Hey, 
I have a book. And so he ordered it right there and then. And then he he, bought, he shipped in a batch of copies. And then I went back and signed it. And he was like, this is really good. And I, I just find it really awkward when people were being really nice to me. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. Nobody wants compliments. So I started saying weird things to him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the irony of a book called I Love Me. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very esoteric book of positive self-image. Yeah. So positive that you're like, when other people kind of validate it, you're like, yeah, this is weird. Okay. Stop talking about this, yeah. please. Like, it's weird. But no, yeah. it's, been, it's been an incredible journey. I'm grateful. Uh, uh, well, we're we're delighted, right, Dane? Absolutely, and uh, it, it's uh, and one thing I definitely say is that throughout the journey, from a uh, observational standpoint, you've remained positive throughout, mm. and uh, I like to think that that positive outlook has permeated all of your works and culminated in you being here. So uh, it's, 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 it's good stuff. But and and Marvin Ooh. has always been somebody that uh, always asks a second time when he's inquiring about someone's well-being. Wow. So it says, how are you doing? But really, how are you doing? So <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not the question, I, let's say the question I'm going to pose for this episode, but mm. how are you doing, Marvin? I'm really good. I, and, just, uh, I just didn't get going. I don't think I have any left. I think it's all gone now. Nice. Um, Do you think 46 grand uh, makes uh, university pointless? It does, immediately. Yeah. I, I, I just put like, because I, I, I never have time for Bitcoin and NFTs and stuff, but yeah. I officially got, bought some Bitcoin like two right. days ago. And my investment went up like, I think it was like 180 pounds or something in like a mm, day. Nice. And I was like, if you tried to convince me that I got to spend 49,000 pounds on anything other than this, you're not getting it. <laughs> it's not happening. And so I, I think that the university has become obsolete. I went for culture mm-hmm. and I went because I believed. Mm. But anyone that's got the code now will just know that I can put 50K into an online business and flip it. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is why 19 year olds will be telling their parents to shut up yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I understand how money works I think, mm. I think um, university as a model I think is one that should be throughout academia mm. I think if you show proficiency or competence in a particular field then you should be able to go to university even if you were like 11 and study that exclusively mm. right. I think we need to remove the occupational and industrial hierarchies that we have mm. and if a kid says I like I like the idea of treating sewage. Mm. Then we create a uh, trajectory mm. where that person can study um, towards e- ecologically towards that straight away. Wise, educated words uh, from Dane. And um, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, mate? As the, uh, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. Mr. Marvin Harrison, as our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which we'd like to discuss for you for about 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Then my producer friend, Howard Cohen, would like to pose a question to you, mm-hmm. which we'll discuss for 15 minutes. And then in a surprise twist in the plot and storyline of my book that is my life i would like to ask you a question which we discuss for 15 minutes and then if you could be so gracious could tell our listeners where they can find out all about your good works past present and future mm-hmm. how does that sound to you that's fantastic well the floor is yours my friend to ask the first question so my first question and i ask this to everybody it's my way of finding out who you are who you really are and yeah. how you really right, here we go okay. okay so my question to you both is what is unwanted but persists in your life <sighs> Question. I've got to ask a responder question while I think about it. Because <laughs> I could just say eczema. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are the kind of range of answers you get when you ask people that question? People always struggle with it and it immediately forces you to go introspective and deeper than anything on the surface. So um, it's usually things to do with how their life creates patterns. Hmm. So the, the question inherently is what patterns reoccur and you really want to get rid of them, but they keep coming back because our subconscious is really powerful. So it creates things for us, whether we, we like it or not. We mm. think we're doing something else. But if you haven't resolved that thing, you'll create that thing again. 
Uh, and I could tell you mine it's really elaborate but I don't want to ruin the podcast but it's a very interesting <laughs> nothing thing. ruins this podcast no, you can try but no, it's, it's, it's very interesting and like when it's presented back to you and this is why I've stayed in therapy for eight years because as I practice what I learn you get lessons and then you yeah. need someone who has like a fresh healthy mind to say to you well no it's not that Marvin like mm. it's just this and you did this last time and that sounds like the thing you did this time mm-hmm. and this started here and remember the point in your childhood you said mm. this and then you're like, oh, I really do keep creating that. That's that's not healthy. And then you're able to just stop. Mm. But until you identify it and maybe sometimes what ends up happening it has to hurt enough. Interesting. The thing in your life has to be painful enough for you to be like, I'm never doing that again. And that's when it stops. But at the cost of that is usually money, house, time, affinity with friends, right. more, your more career. Therapy for, for said trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. Where'd your, where's your head go with this one? Um, I mean, there's a number of things. I think uh, it's, a really good, it's a really good question, first of all. I'd say the things that stand up the most for me would be uh, relationships, the demise of relationships sometimes mm-hmm. uh, o- over an initial miscommunication that is then later clarified years down the line after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be relationships romantic or otherwise. Yeah, I yeah. think, I, think uh, I don't think it's the case, but I guess some people find me very hard to figure out or find me quite complex. And uh, so that could be an issue. Whereas I feel like I articulate myself very well, hmm. but how people choose to interpret that, I guess I can't necessarily control. But I'd say the main thing for me would normally be it's the... Uh, it's the existential angst or creative angst of not reaching my uh, creative potential. Mm. Right. So, for example, yesterday I went to see Chris Rock, not bragging, just saying. Um, <laughs> Close but, personal friend. Yeah, yeah. Just again, and he, um, Chris Rock is 17 years older than I am. Right. And when I compare our achievements at our ages, yeah. I get filled with this uh, sense of uh, self-loathing and, uh, and shame at maybe a lack of uh, productivity. Mm. And um, he's a pretty prolific dude now, right? I mean, well, the reason I do comedy is I saw him at 15 years old right. and mm-hmm. I was like, this is how I want to do it. And I not necessarily know exactly what this is, but I want to do it like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's, it's having now the barometer that you're involved in the actual game and seeing how far you can take it and then looking at my, my journey. And sometimes, so yeah, I guess it's that comparison which can then give way to depression. Um, and then that follows a pathology of pushing people away Mm. And then becoming very insular, and it's and then and not understanding that you know having this uh, prolonged level of success or profile mm. after a while will be something you'll become desensitized to. Mm. Mm. And if that continued, and there is there are no uh, life or career trajectories that just go on a straight line and just continue to stay on that plateau. It's up and down. It's flashes of brilliance and flashes of uh, I guess. Uh, sorrow and aptitude mm. but I always forget it and I just think yeah but we're talking about me <laughs> and then people and people say stuff like but Dana's going to be okay and then that is a massive trigger when I go what the fuck do you mean okay <laughs> who the fuck wants to be okay I'm trying to provide, create something mm. exceptional mm. and you know provide you know a, a, a life defining aesthetic which is going to be the inspiration and influence people when I'm no longer here mm. how the fuck can I do that if I can't get it by a TV show on the TV or get like my palette busted. So, so what's interesting, Dane, and this is, this is the external, and I, I remember because when you did Sunday Show the first time, yeah, I was like, you're so smart. Yeah. And this is why I found you incredibly funny because like, I don't want to say it like, we're smart, so I find you funny and I get you because we're yeah. so smart. But I meant like, 
the audience you were playing to was like 19 and were like, it was like fart jokes. It was like, your mum beats me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like the punchline. I was like, that's not a punchline, that's just like abuse. Yeah. And so, but like, <laughs> but then like your comedy was really in- intelligent and it required thinking yeah. and that's my type of humour. Yeah. So right. I always had a soft spot for you. I was like, oh, Dane, come back again. Come back you, again. And you were very supportive. And, and, and uh, many times <laughs> I, I used to be like, why is he even booking me again? Because <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I knew, it's interesting because the, the, the for me, the pivot comes when you're old enough for your audience to be old enough to get it. Yeah. Also, society mm. has to catch up to And that was the experience I had you. is that I, I didn't, on reflection, now I understand that. Mm. But when I first did the shows, I didn't realise about the age gap. And mm. even on reflection, I was thinking like, you know, maybe I, I may have felt I was more enlightened at 19, 20. Yeah. But then I'm sure if you met 19 or 20 year old Dane, he may have well, not had the same level of perspective that I had at 30. Yeah. Right. But to, to hear him tell it, he'd be like, I'm, I'm in university, of course yeah, I'm getting yeah, an education. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know how the world works. Very, very similar. And the thing is, I feel like I could have been much further ahead in my life, but I refused to accept my blessings. Because yeah. I was like, this, if this is what it is, I don't want it. Like, yeah. I was very snobby about standing in the limelight, mm. creating things for myself and mm. like standing out there. I'd be like, I ain't doing that. Like, yeah. I see people that do it. I don't know any black man that has survived being in the light. Yeah. They all get it at some point. Someone get, everyone gets something. Yeah. Like leaves, and I'm saying, something. why would I put myself through that? I can just like quietly well, go about my existence. I don't need to participate in this. I think thing. it's really interesting because for me, as you said it, mm. I'm going to be honest, envy. Mm. Envy was the first thing, it's a different way of saying what yeah. you're kind of saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've got this theory, mm. right? I'm th- I'm re- I think it's the modern... It's like a pandemic that we never talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like envy is just constantly affecting people. And, you know, I'm going to... It's engineered as well. I it's think. engineered by our social media platforms. Yeah. And I can say this like as an, as honest as I can be, which is like, guys, like, you're, you're winning mm. at life, both of you. <laughs> Dane, mm. I know you very well, Marvin. I know a lot of you. The, but even now, Marvin's being like, I can't believe you're saying this shit to me. Yeah, yeah. In front of Marvin, <laughs> yeah. You are so rude. How, how fucking dare. <laughs> but, but you go and look, you know, like my dad, God rest his soul, always say, you know, when you told my dad, tell my dad a problem, he'd be like, yeah, look out the window. Look, mm. out, look, look out the window, mm. you know, because you can see the problems that people have mm. that are, you know, greater than, than, than yours. And um, I'd say I'm winning, you know. Mm. I feel like I'm winning at life. I've got like, uh, you know, as Dane often <laughs> sometimes mentions, uh, I've invented a show. Uh, for television, which is a, a fucking miracle, uh, and it won a BAFTA, uh, and I sit at home where I type, and there's a certificate on my wall, and that is beyond my wildest possible fucking dreams mm. that that would ever happen mm. when I was a kid trying to work out how to make a camcorder work, you know. Mm. And you know what? I still got pissed off that I wasn't at the BAFTAs the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still got pissed off. And, and, I, and, and after a little while of looking at it and thinking, and there's some people, I must stress, that I absolutely love and respect who mm. won for their work. And I've not produced anything that deserved to be up there. Fine, I can you know accept that. But it, I suppose it's a question, is it? What does, can that envy motivate you? Mm. It, look, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I sat there and I saw Mo win the, the BAFTA, yeah? Yeah. And I was like, I wasn't invited to that party. <laughs> and, by, and by my, I couldn't go. Right. Like, I physically <laughs> couldn't go. Because my, my, ch- my children were with me. I'm, I'm actually not around. Like, it would have been impossible. But, like, I, I, need, I need to turn the invite down myself. I need to be able to not mm. go. Yeah. But it's funny mm. because, like, and I don't mean that in a, like, 
I want what someone's got. Because there's a couple people in my life that I've been around and I'm like, I watch them and I'm like, I love when you do something because yeah. it makes mm. me want to stand up and do something. So when I'm watching you, the reason why I check in is like, how are you? Because in the pursuit of that thing, I know mm. what it actually feels like. It doesn't feel like what it looks like to other people. Right. So I check in on those people. So when I check in on Mo, I'm like, are you okay? Yeah. Same for Babatunde or Twin B. Right, or like, right. There's people that I know who really work at a high level yeah. and I know what it costs to get there. So it's never an envy of like, I want what you want. It's always just like, oh, someone's working. This is exciting. Yeah. Like, what can I do? Am I pushing myself? Am I doing as much as I could be? You know, I think like I, I got tired about two years ago and I just, I, I slowed down. Mm. But in the slowdown, all these awards were coming and I was like, I'm actually at home in my bed doing nothing. I'm, yeah. like, I'm having day naps. Yeah, and like, yeah. I'm getting an award for like community leader of the year. And I'm like, I've done nothing for six months. But I think like, and this is where I think like I disconnect because I'm so in the present right. that I didn't understand that like I spent 10 years building up all of these things mm. and then they were just coming to life. Mm. It wasn't like, you did something last week, you get an award. It's never that instant. Yeah. And so I didn't never really understand when the things were happening for me that were perceived as a blessing. And I didn't really, I wasn't particularly grateful or respectful, not respectful, but I wasn't like fawning over them the way I feel some other people fawn over things. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's where the disconnect comes because mm. it means so much to some people that they, yeah. there's people that would look at what I've done in the last two, three years and be like, why does he get that? I don't, I deserve it. Or, you know, I, I, you know, I want that for myself. And I'm just like waking up every day like, no, nah. My objective is I have two children I have to create for long term. Yeah. I have like 20 odd people that I hire full time. They're my like focus. Yeah. I have a personal mission of what I want to create. I want to create a structure to go up against any other structure that oppresses people. Mm. Like that's my mission. Mm. The subplots around it, I'm really bad at, but mm. I like them. I look at them and I'm like, oh, it'll be great. <laughs> but like, I also won't do the things that is required to get it. So, yeah. you know, I, I sometimes look at myself and I'm a walking contradiction. I love what I do. Yeah. more than what it brings for me yeah well uh, honestly i i think that it's uh, that's a um, it's an amazing question right because yeah. introspection put in a kind of uh, that kind of framing is quite it's yeah. quite 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 i thought that feels quite a cathartic experience talking about this though oh no definitely I de uh, although um what's interesting you, you said about uh the envy point is that um i think the other uh spiraling I tend to do is rather than being like someone doesn't deserve it it's more mm. of a question of if they can do it why can't you mm. so in in when you say uh, about the in intelligence it's like it frustrates me because I think most people know you're intelligent Dane but why aren't you smart enough to work out how to make yourself more successful because that's not how it works it's yeah. because you're smart and you, you're actually reacting to your environment whereas a lot of people are desensitized like yeah. if I see something that's dodgy I call it out yeah and if I see something I don't like, I tell people. Mm. And I think some people are just like happy just to let things go. Yeah. Or they'll find a more deft way to like support themselves. Define so, success. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Define so, success. I'm, I'm so bad at that. Yeah. Like, letting it go yeah. and not noticing and and yeah, the over, and the overthinking and uh, it's like, oh, someone has a clothing label and you can have a clothing label then, but then do you want to contribute to more uh, ecological devastation? Yeah. And, and, and these are the things I have to always have to consider. But when you define success, and you look at other people's success, what may not be clear is the downside to that success. And once you know that downside, and if you experience that downside, you might change your mind about whether you want that, want that thing anyway. Yeah, because but mi mi millions of pounds do dry some tears. Not all tears, but some tears. And I yeah. think, like, this is, the, this is the balance of it. Like, I, they I create new ones as well. Yeah. My, my understanding is, is that, like, the world operates in a particular way. 
and a lot of things are driven by fear. Mm. And me or fear or love. Those are the two things that drive a lot of things. And so I put love into the world, but I am fearless. So mm. that no one can't and shouldn't doesn't exist in me. And mm. I think that for me is a big part of like why certain things just don't won't land for me and won't move me. Yeah. Um, because of the way that I go about things. Right. And I have now at peace with just who I am and how I need to do things. That question really is, it's about people creating the thing they want the least with their fears. Hmm. Yeah. And so like your fear, so if you say, I don't want you to cheat on me, the atmosphere you create in that fear is that they'll be like, why don't you, why is this so important to you? Like, I like you, you're really mm. nice, I'm yeah. into you. Why are you not into you? And then they'll start looking around and they'll see things that they then disconnect with. And then it creates that little gap, that opportunity for them to be like, you know what? I think somebody else might be better for me. Yeah, These, yeah. This is where the moments happen. But you create that. You create doubt in other people. It's the ince- inception. They, yeah. they, now they can conceptualize it. They can see it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before they were admiring you. They thought mm. the world of you. Mm. And that happens in all your fears for all the things. So I inject love in every room I am. But I still need to get over it where it's just like some things aren't perfect. Like I, you yeah. know, I genuinely yeah. want to do good. I genuinely try to see good in people. So when I see weird things, I struggle. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I think. It's an amazing question. Great Marvin, question. you smashed it again, mate. Thank you. Namaste. Back like you never <laughs> left. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evolve into a different space for this question uh, today. I've been thinking about it a lot, particularly as... Do we know exactly when we we had last had you on the show? We're deep in pandemic, I think. I reckon we were talking May 2020. Yeah, yeah. two years ago feels good to me. Yeah, 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 yeah I reckon yeah. we're looking around that space. Um, my um, son was born around the time. Ah. My, uh, my first son uh, was born around that time. And um, so that's two years of being a dad. Right, and I'm asking Dane. Obviously, I know Marvin has some expertise in this category. Uh, <laughs> want to hear from you Dane, as well? Dane, Dane's working on it. I Dane, uh, yeah. Dane's, um, <laughs> I'm working on it. Dane's a dad to a lot of us all in different ways, you know. <laughs> but um, am I a good dad? <laughs> I've been thinking. Or how do you tell if you're a good dad? Because yeah. it. it He's two. I've got. If I'm fucking it up, I've got time to make it up. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you quantify that? I, I don't think you ever do, man. Because I think it's one of those. It's a lifelong question. Mm. Um, it's a bit like, am I happy? It's one of those questions where it's like, <laughs> well, I am in moments, but overall, sometimes like you just yeah. you can find a counter argument as to why you're not. And mm. there's so much um, pressure and evidence to suggest that you're not. Like, who knows what the most important factors are? 
So yes, last week I did a podcast um, on uh, the most important variable as a parent. Right. Um, that decision you can make, and that decision is about the location you choose to raise your children in. And so that has more as in uh, which, locate the area. Yeah, yeah, right. So that has more important variables in that one decision than it does for any other single de- decision that you make as a parent. Mm. And so, like, you know, it made me think like I am very passionate about my kids not being raised in Hackney because mm. I experienced it and I know what that could be. Yeah, we don't need to play that lottery twice. I done really well to get out. Yeah, yeah. And for you on a personal level, like, are you a good good father? The question can only be asked and answered by you. Mm. It has nothing to do with your children. Interesting. It's a it's a yeah. it's a very like self centered question or self interested <coughs> question, and I don't mean it as a negative. Mm. I mean it as like it's it's based on your values, your vision of like what you were trying to create, how close you are to that vision. Mm. What does your co parent say? Society yeah. says, I would say it's a tiny part of it, but that's a part of the standard that we all live in. Mm. But it's a very like self-interested question. And I think your children will tell you when they're older. Do you feel like a good dad? I do now. Right. I didn't for four years. I, I feel like a superhero now. Right. Like, the stuff me and my children do, like, I'm just like, I never had this information. Like, I never yeah. got these experiences. Um, you know, I, I, me and, I bought my children uh, crypto the other day and we monitor it every day. <laughs> and, like, and, and, and it's 10 pounds worth of like some terrible currency that's yeah, in yeah. depreciation really cool. but like I just talked to them about it and it's just little conversations that were not possible in 1992 when I was whatever age like trying to figure it out <laughs> um, and so you know like I, I feel like I'm giving them more I spend incredible amounts of time with them which I think is the the, the, the genesis of that question yeah. like time and there's no such mm. thing as quality time it's like Going to Aldi and doing a food shop is as valuable as reading with them. Mm. Like, all of those yeah. things are really important. So I feel like I do an incredible job and I love it. Like yeah. it's my favorite thing in the universe to do. And they're, you know, the kid's older than my kid. Yeah, they're four and six, mine. Right, right. And uh, yeah. Still. How do you feel about How do you feel you're doing? I, do you know what? I find it interesting, right? Like Dane's been with me on this journey. Dane's known me a long time. So like, you know, it, and I sometimes look at stuff like this. That happened the other day when I was pissing around with him. I think, listeners, you, you know, you can probably gauge from uh, what you hear. For those, if you can't, if you're not able to see the clip, Howard has just shown, going through, <laughs> which I, for me is indicative of a good father. Is that you, you're yeah. waiting for the first juncture to show people the, <laughs> what you love the most? This was happening the other day, and this is me. Uh, I tend to tickle him most days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a good sign yeah. to, see, to see how jovial you become, and that's that's, yeah. that's now that's now your your favorite projection of self. Yeah, you know, historically, when it comes to you know before you experience being a parent, and people might show here's my new car, or here's what my crypto is looking like, or here's my my portfolio looks. The fact that your first point for an external. Uh, demonstration of the best part of yourself as a mm. child I think is a good sign mm. yeah it's interesting it's, it's interesting you do desperately want to show people who it is mm. that you've created yeah. but that that video I've watched a couple of times recently because I was you know on the way home and stuff and it's like brings you a bit of maybe I haven't got back in time to see him or whatever mm. and um, you know I was thinking about how you know all I do a lot most of the time all I really want to do is make him <laughs> make him laugh mm. And it's a variety of ways. You know, you can... I think dad parenting is very different. Right. I think, that's, mm. that, I think one thing we have to, as men, reconcile with is that our way of parenting is, is very different. Yeah. And if we try to measure it based on feminine ideas or, or maternal ideas, we will always fall down. Right. We always feel incomplete. And so this is why I would say the, 
two parents are not necessarily, it's not really about men and women, it's actually just about energies, but two right. parents are vital, uh, or better, sorry, than, than necessarily not. Yeah. Um, because you need to be introduced to different ways of seeing the world. Right. And like my children, it's wrestling, it's like from holding you in the air, I choked like my son the other day. <laughs> And like, we know, don't in, you know, necessarily endorse that list. No, we do. Okay. We do. We do. If it's WWE regulation, then it's absolutely yeah, right. Just don't injure your yeah, children, yeah. listeners. I don't injure your children. No, no I'm sure them Marvin did in a good way. I'm sure <laughs> injure them in context. No. Yeah, my, how, Marvin speaking in terms of the fact that like, when the French give their children wine, yeah. it's like, I want them to do it in front of me. Yeah. Right, so, back. yeah so my son needs to learn how to descend from a, top, a turnbuckle yes. safely until, unless he waits at your work. That's when the accidents really yeah, happen. Yeah. It's when he attempts that the cage jump. No, but he can't. Do that suplex properly. He, he, yeah, he can't get ocean in the air, so we're good for now. They're too close to the age; it's never yeah. going to happen. But you learn how to fall on the base of your neck, and you're fine. You know, yeah. on the bed. By right, the way, right, right, right. Anyway, so so when we play in rough play, I feel like that's dad's way of connecting. Mm. And my son jumps up at me, and he's like, "Come, let's go." He's mm. ready, but he needs that as a part of his wheel. Yeah. He needs to release that energy, that mm. tension. And I'm not saying that like my, mothers do it all the time, but I'm just saying that my mum did that to me. Mm. We used to like rough play; it'd be right, funny. Right. And I think like um, sometimes if you see it, if you show that like the woman that's a child that's passed through a woman is now being like held in the air with one hand precariously mm-hmm. and then dropped on the bed yeah. on the base of their neck. Like I watch WWE to know exactly how to do that in a safe way, and I know exactly mm. what that means. And he's having the best time. Yeah. But yeah, if a child passed through me and I see them precariously hanging in the air, I may not like the person as much doing that either. Yeah. So I get the this the disconnect and the divide. But I feel like the more we lean into our things and mm. our way of doing it, the more powerful we will be in that relationship, yeah. in that home. Well, the weather's got better which helps as well I think like we live in a country where the weather can be complete shit a lot of the time and therefore outdoor activities which can be this kind of like because you're talking about the physical and I think that's kind of what's quite interesting about being a dad like it's quite physical Mm. I think a lot of the time I feel my wife is kind of doing a different job like he's decided now before bed that when I try and read books to him and by the way listeners and Dane Mark I can fucking read a book. I've got voices. I can do the characters. <laughs> I've got it. But he literally runs back to my wife now <coughs> and goes, Dad, I know. Dad, I know. Dad, I know. It's like, okay, fine. But you know what he loves? I've got this so- seat on top of my bike and I cycle him to nursery because mm. the weather's got better. Mm. And he is pumped mm. yeah. <laughs> on that bike, but, but, right? But that, that book thing is, is not to do with you. And, and so what happened with me, and this is why Dot Black Dads was created, mm. is... I thought that was like a rejection of me. Right. And it's being pro his mother isn't anti-me. Yeah, Even yeah. if he's rejecting me in the process. And yeah. that took me... I mean, I get time off time. basically not have to read books as well, which is no, quite useful. No, no, because your wife will tell you that it's your turn to read the books today. <laughs> you know you're going to walk into that room and yeah. he's going to be like, I don't want to talk to you. What do you want? And you have to force it through. <laughs> and I think this is where the divide comes in. It's like the the what, what your gift is, um, it needs to be centered and it will be different things. It will never be both of our equal opportunity to feed, clothe, bathe, put to bed equally the same amount of time and that both be our gift. Mm. It isn't transactional like that. It's like you've got to find what you add to the situation. So you to try taking him to school, he has the best time when you do that with him. Yeah. So that's your thing. But yeah. bedtime may just have to be mummy's thing. And yeah. even if it, that's just the labor of it. And so for me, when you're centering the children about it, that's how you end up doing it. If you center yourself, it becomes... Monday's your turn, Tuesday's my turn. Right. Yeah. And that's not about the child, that's about you. Mm-hmm. And people so, people and love so, to give advice, though. That's one of the weird things, right? <clears throat> the amount of people you meet who are just like, oh, we do it this way. Yeah. 
it's not how it works, right? This is weird because obviously everyone's complex is as individual as their fingerprint. Mm. And so what might work for a particular child? Because if you if you were to suggest a uniform way of a coping mechanism for one person, they'd be like, well, I'm a very different person to what you're describing. Hmm. So it's very strange that with a child, which themselves is a, just a young, <laughs> a smaller version of a, a human being, mm. that someone can suggest a kind of unilateral way of uh, uh, coping yeah. and expect you to be like, yeah, because it's your... Because because you like I said environment alone is a variable is enough to see that what might work in one situation mm. will never work in another one. So um, yeah. Howard, I wanted to ask just to mm. answer your question in terms of how do you find the role of being a disciplinarian as a father? Because I feel like the, the positive stuff in terms of interaction mm. and like, you know, playing makes it easy. Like, I guess that's the highest part of paternity. I think he's two, yeah. and at this point, you know, look, there's only so much you can do. You can do it. Mm-hmm. But it invariably just turns into, you know, him losing the plot. So there's these uh, what's-its that are like carrot what's-its. Mm-hmm. That I know he, them. You like them, yeah? I know, I know them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring you any shit. <laughs> Marvin, it's Ryder. It's carrot mm-hmm. puffs. Uh, no, but like if I buy a pack, also the manufacturers of that, if they're listening, there's a lot in one pack. Mm. So he never, you should never, I felt like I'm giving him too many if I gave him a pack, right? Mm. And when you tell him he can't eat the whole pack... The shit hits the fan, Dave. And you basically have to decide, well, am I going to give in mm-hmm. and give him them all? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to try and move on and, you know, let him have his learning, let his lesson? To be honest with you, I don't, he can cry if he wants for five minutes. <laughs> or Usually I can move him on to remind him that he has cars to play with in the mm-hmm. living room. Yeah. And that's enough. Uh, Tara has an interesting thing. My wife has been on this show, listeners, and you know about her. Um, at this point you could just say Tara you don't have to yeah, provide yeah. any kind cool. of like, Everyone knows we Tara. all know who Tara is Tara has a thing that she's picked up from one of the many things she reads because my wife is a scholarly yeah, intelligent person and she says that you need to say to them oh I know you love the things but they're finished now and it's that positive way of instead of going you can't have any more mm. you know and, and I, really I would say mm. at this point I can't guarantee if that's working but we'll, I'll let you know, listeners. You know? For me, it's just like, and this is why I say it's impossible to know. It's a very selfish question to say, mm. am I a good dad? Because there's so much unknowns and not knowing. So, mm. And it's impossible to know because your child, even though, like my daughter sometimes will create a fuss, but when I call her, she's smiling because she knows the fuss was her trying to transact something that mm. she shouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. And they learn that. Mm. They learn that behavior. And, and that might work with some particular figures in the family but it won't work with me like my 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 values are just the values and everything is shaped around the values and when i inject that into them it's like if you can't have something there's a greater reason why and i always explain and give context and i always try to invite them to be the one that creates the barrier so they now don't eat chocolate off their own free will right interesting. rather than me saying you can't eat chocolate i just told them what's in it yeah, yeah. And I gave them the context and I said, this is what that does to you, da 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 And that, like, Easter Easter came around and they all got magazines. They were like, we don't want chocolate. Uh, and so you can... See, you he can sounds like a good fucking dad, of, doesn't he? Yeah. He sounds like he knows no, what he's doing. I, first and foremost, yeah, I have to give it up to Nina because the context for right. a lot of this understanding, the journey that I went on to understand that came from her challenging what my original idea was before I had children. Okay. And then after that point, I went into a whole rabbit hole of like conscious parenting and I married that with my Caribbeanisms and I was like, this is where I feel the, my, the, the comfort lands. And so there are really strong lines and boundaries, but everything to my children is an invitation. Mm. Like I invite them to do stuff and I get them to do a lot of stuff on their own. And that's something that from two is a really important thing that you start doing is just like 
like put that back and like mm. go get this yourself and like we put stuff on a shelf that they could reach so they can go in and get their own plate and fork and cup oh, yeah. those little things they just start becoming their own person rather than like extensions of me I feel like I've you know, I feel okay. You are a great I feel, father. I feel like you're a kind man, and that's a really good foundation. That's it is, a, yeah, exactly. Thanks, man. And you're, you know, uh, the, the in a couple of years, the love of your family permeates very clearly in all of your narratives, Howard. So don't worry. Thanks, man. And come back in a couple of years, and I'll update you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we just just keep talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. I won't week. just limit this relationship to purely an episode <laughs> of the podcast. Um, Dane, over to you, man. Last question of today's episode. It's been a blinder so far. Uh, it has been. Well. Um, Marvin, as well as uh, being the spearhead of a very positive movement uh, regarding paternity in all its various forms mm. in Dope Black Dads, obviously you have now recently become an, an author approaching uh, the top of the charts. Um, <laughs> so the book I Love Me um, obviously speaks to uh, a very part of a very dominant part of culture, particularly online, in terms of self love and self care, mm. which uh, you know some may argue has kind of become a form of pop psychology. Mm. But I wanted to ask you, it can actually be a very positive statement, but also a very ambivalent one. Mm. So I just wanted to ask what I Love Me means to you. For me, I think it's the, it's the foundation of empowering yourself. Uh, what's really interesting is growing up, everything was about giving agency away. Mm-hmm. It was like share. And it was like, be kind to this strange person that you just met over mm. there and sit on this person's knee and give a strange auntie or uncle a hug and be extra polite to them. And you're just like, that person's vibes is not my vibes. And mm. I feel like I have to say hello to stuff. So I gave away a lot of agency to myself at the cost of much of my peace. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's actually like, when you if, you if you empower people, they make healthier choices and balanced choices anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when, when it was post-George Floyd and I was trying to explain to my son like what we were experiencing. It was like, he saw on the news people yelling and I was like, well, what happened was a police officer did something bad um, because he was black and people are telling the world about it that they don't like it. Yeah. And then in that moment, I started criminalizing police officers to him who are a form of heroism mm. and safety to him. Mm. So I had to balance that out and be like, well, not all police officers are. We do have some very good ones who look after people, but this one in particular needs to be brought to justice. And he was like, mm, okay, cool. But beyond that point, him going into school or going into spaces and observing things, I need language because like the, the nuances of race is so coded yeah. and he won't know why things are going. And I don't want plan to explain to him the entirety of the uh, critical race theory at six years old. What I wanted to do is that if something happens that he doesn't understand, mm. he has language for himself yeah. till he gets back to me. And then when he gets back to me, we go through it and we can decipher and we can try and find the language at the age that he is. So I Love Me is just the the practical tools to reinforce the positivity that you should feel about yourself because you are not the things you do. (laughs) And once you believe you are the things you do, then you formally become a bad person. There are no bad children. It's impossible. (laughs) <laughs> and so I feel like it's implanted in them through experiences with the wider world and adults yeah. and how they process it then allows them to justify experiencing that over and over again or enacting things on other people over and over again. So that's what my battle is, is how do I give my children language to keep them strong and powerful when the odds are against them? Mm. I mean, it's hard, though, isn't it? We talked about this earlier a bit with envy, right? It's yeah. It's hard mm. to love love yourself, right? Well, in, the, in the right way, you know. Well, it's the thing. I, I think that a lot of suggestion, and then we talk about envy, a lot of the, I guess, pathology we see in society en masse 
is largely motivated by shame. I think a lot of suggestion that comes from capitalists or consumer institutions is trying to find flaws within people's selves and uh, maybe trying to upset people esoterically. Right. Trying to get them to try and solve that problem exoterically. So when people might, for example, spend a lot of money on clothing or a lot of money on cosmetics or even on a cosmetic surgery, uh, I think a lot of these things are, are external uh, practices that are trying to deal with a psychological or spiritual, um, uh, I suppose, uh, conundrum. shortcoming, yeah, or conundrum, yeah. So trying to, yeah, just trying to fill a, a hole that can't be filled with something physical. Um, but at the same time, obviously, what was now referred to as self-love and self-care, I, I have observed personally that sometimes it seems to be a, a very simplistic way mm. of dealing with situations. And rather than learning positive coping mechanisms, it's more like, oh, if someone says something you don't want to hear, ignore them, block them, because you 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 should be amazing and you love yourself and you're amazing. No, that's that's toxic positivity. That's nonsense. Yeah. Like I, I think like at the, the realm of six, the, the the list of things that you can experience that you have to process is a lot shorter, mm-hmm. and this is why it then increases. So this book is like three to six. Beyond that point, and you start doing more things independently, you need way more tools because you need to set boundaries. Mm. And the thing is, at five and three, you don't need to set boundaries. You just need to know words. And more of it is like how you make yourself feel. So when you say it in the mirror loud, like, I am beautiful, you get a wave of emotion go over of you and you feel good. So then that's as, as simple as it is. Yeah. When you're getting like six to ten, now you're talking about people doing things to you without your consent. It could be people your age mm. saying stuff to you, calling you out, calling you ginger or black or, or you know, whatever. And you've got to deal with those things. That's a whole new tool of boundaries. So then that's about additional language. So even my, my daughter, we did this exercise of, I pushed her and said, I don't like her. And I was like, what do you say? And she was like, I don't like you too. And I was like, well, what else could you say? And after about 10 minutes of playing around and figuring out different things, I was like, she, she, she came to the conclusion that you can say, well, I love me. Yeah. yeah. And and the reason why that's important is because it just takes power away from the language someone's putting onto you. Mm. You still have to go away and process it though. This is yeah, the yeah. part that no one talks about. It's like if I just say I don't <coughs> care, you you do care, but you cannot give power to anybody else to let them feel you care yeah. because they will continue that uh, that that treatment towards you. What you then have to go away is then actually process that feeling of having somebody say to you that type of those language that those words. And that real that takes work, and it really is painful. I was about to say, and, and the thing that makes that particularly complicated, every single person on this planet, the duration and um, requirements mm. to process it are different. Yeah, nobody's process. I mean, you could probably find some similarities, but like nobody's processes are going to be the same. No, and I think I think that's where it, it's a, such an individual journey that like. In the last two years, I spent more time with myself than I probably have for the last thirty-eight years, mm. and I got real answers. Like the the initial desire to to lean into certain things to like as vices or safe spaces or comforts have been removed, and I just stand on my own, really really powerfully. Right. But that's a journey that's taken me thirty eight years. Like I'm not, mm. and I'm not even complete yet. But I think about it because <clears throat> I, I mean I love I love this this subject. It's it's really interesting, and I think about it because I definitely have reached a point where I can look back on my life mm. and. It, Except how much of it I didn't love myself for. Mm. Not necessarily because of who, how I, of who I, how I behaved. Like, so for example, if you did something really that you felt was a really bad thing to someone, you could, you know, for a lot of people, that would be reason to not love yourself, right? Because, mm. like, he, 
making mistakes and doing causing problems. That wasn't my story. Mm. You know, my story was. Uh, I think I was probably affected by having two brothers who are ten and twelve years older than me. I think that has an impact on some yeah. kids and families. No one's to blame for that, by the way. Mm. My parents did the best they could do, but like, I think that plays into a kid's psyche. Like, mm. everything's already been done. Yeah. All you're well, getting I, is I, yeah. I, I, what I feel is that there is a moment in your development where that became a really important question to you, mm. and the goal is is to catch that moment as close to that moment as possible. Yeah. So there's a story we all create about ourselves, and it's created from an experience. So if you someone stops you and says. Like you know, you know you are important to this family. Like, mm. You know that you mean a lot. And like I did, a, I do an exercise with my therapist. It's super dope. You close your eyes, you go back to a time, and uh, a time when you're misunderstood, and then you you relive it, and then you do a more modern version of it, and then you start to connect to like what did you want that person to say in that moment, mm. and then imagine them saying it to you. Then that becomes really really beautiful because then you're like healing in that moment. Like I had a wave of like frustration. I remember a time when I was young and I was being misunderstood and I was trying to communicate what I was saying. And then I, I got presented a modern type version of that. And then it was like, what did you want them to say? And I was like, I really want them to say that they hear me and they understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Even if they don't, the violence in denying my truth to me mm-hmm. for no other reason other than just to be like one-upmanship mm. is really problematic. And so it creates a lot of things for other people to deal with down the line. Now that because I know that, mm. when my children believe that they are right on something, I don't necessarily have to be right against them. Mm. Like I'm a grown enough person to accept that I'm wrong and I apologize to my children. I complete with them all the time. Mm. <laughs> I complete the story. So, you know, my son today, like, I, it's a very serious story, but basically his teeth came out. He got 10 pounds. My daughter got two pounds because she didn't lose her teeth. But if you just give one child something, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So she got two pounds. He still in his mind believed that because it was under the pillow that it's still his. And so I was like, no, 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 it's oceans. And he got really upset. And so I allowed him to go through the process of being upset. He went and had a shower. He had cereal. He came back and I sat him down and I explained to him what the process was. Then I reestablished again before he got out of the car and went to school. I was like, I know you had a rough morning. So I want to let you know that I love you and have a great day. And we completed it, hopefully. And I don't know, only he can tell me. Yeah. But I revisit it with him so that he can then leave there feeling like that wasn't an event. Right. And I got to make meaning out of it. So now my sister gets things that I should be yeah, getting, yeah. like all of those things. And that's where those narratives come from. So yeah. it's it's a very, very difficult full-time, always on approach to parenting. But for me, that is the cost of trying to bring someone into the world. You've got to sign up to that. Yeah, it's well, not it's not a mission that you're solving for yourself to be like, oh, I feel loved now and complete that I've had a child. It's like you're committing to a lifelong learning with another human being that you created. Yeah, I mean, you obviously have some... Uh, Interesting sibling-based knowledge day. <laughs> I, I, I have, but um, actually, update on that. Like, I, I mean, reconcile might be a strong word, mm. but I seem to have a functional relationship with my twin sister of late. Interesting, because I know yeah. you. I know you. You've never. You've you've had ups and downs, right? But yeah, yeah. You're, you're at peace at the moment, uh, or in a, in a peaceful place. Yeah, I mean, what I can perceive to be a long-lasting peace, and part of that has come from, uh, yeah, based on a conversation we had where you'd ask me if I'd prefer to be right or happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've had to uh, choose the latter, which is hard for somebody who wants to emphasize intellectualism. But um, hmm. I feel I feel like there's probably, there are aspects and there might be what I perceive to be traumas or violations, uh, historic violations, which I could outline to my sister and then ask her to, and then itemize those and maybe ask her to resolve those. But over time I've seen, you know, there is a possibility she may not have the mechanisms to do that mm. and the 
complex of what she may be holding on to her actions can belie a trauma of her own mm. and so I've learned that there are aspects of what I perceive to be trauma that only I can control in terms of how I deal with those and how I observe that healing process mm. and I've done that because and that's based on the fact that like for whatever reason I've had, had to learn that whatever apologies or whatever compensation you might be expecting from someone that you feel has caused you a trauma might not be forthcoming for whatever mm. reason they could be they may not be around anymore they may mm. not, some people may not even actually be aware that they've caused mm. you trauma and like you said they not everyone perceives what you might be a defining moment for yourself it might not be the same for them mm. but all you can control like you said is having the tools for you to process your own experiences yeah and so for me it's kind of been like well does anything I've experienced with my siblings really affect me being able to pursue any other avenues of happiness today? And the answer is no. My mm. sister can't stop me from doing something because I don't live in the same house as her. Mm. She, cause she's, she's never in the room if I'm trying to pitch an idea. And, uh, you know, I'm not dependent on her for her validation. And mm. so by that token, it's not really a problem. And then at the same time, it's like, you know, she's now an adult with her own life and her own issues and her own tribulations. And whatever they may be, or however, you know, however karmic I might want to per perceive that, her losses aren't my gains. Yeah, and look, so I, I think I think you can't be at it. peace with, with, without the people that you came from in your life. Like, I, I think sometimes, because I've had similar challenges with my family. Like, in my family, I'm the other person. I am mm. the only one that exists in this way. Mm. Everybody else is just like, they live just very, and I, when I use the word simple, I actually say it in the most loving sense, and actually yeah. probably the most positive sense, um, is that they live in a way that they can control and they yeah. love it and they're happy. Yeah. And so, you know, me being this person out in the world, I'll never forget when I first started talking about my dad and then people that knew us collectively would be like, I didn't know that about your dad. Mm. And then my sister and brother had to like answer questions about my dad when they didn't want to talk about it. And mm. I was like, I didn't even understand the impact of my word yeah. and how much it creates for others. And so it became a bit of a thing of just like accepting where they're at and also like protecting them and honoring them and what does that look like and that hmm. became really difficult because at times I felt like it was coming at the cost of my self-expression yeah. my own power my own agency hmm. which I had already given out to, to many other people and I was like I want to claim this this is my story this is how I feel yeah. this is what I've learned but you know if you love people you have to be aware of what that creates for them yeah. so my care list is the mother of my children, my children, my mother, my brother and sisters. That, that, yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. And my business partner. That's th that's the end of the list. After that, it's like... We're I not taking this personally, by the way. Mike, no, no, no. It's case. more just like I have to choose whether we can coexist or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those people, I, I'm ready to concede yeah, and yeah. give ground regardless of what the narrative is. Yeah, Everybody else is like, I, I can't. I'm not yeah. willing to. Because all of your interactions with other people are elective and mm. you can decide whether or not to indulge them or to begin that paradigm of interaction. Yeah, whereas and with I'll, family, I'll find my tribe. I, re I really <coughs> will. Because environment is a large part of forming, uh, I guess, your I guess your complex in your psyche anyway. Your family, it's, it's, it's very different because in many ways, at least if nothing else on a biological level, Mm. That is a reflection of yourself as well. Mm. So I, I totally understand that, and and you do make those concessions to family, and also because you you understand that there's a lot of your experiences that have been a part of you forming yourself, mm. that they were also having simultaneously. Mm. How they chose to interpret it or how they coped varies because that's everyone's does vary. So if I, that's think, I just think that, you, that's yeah. where the unconditional love can lie. Unconditional is in like I will accept you as you come, 
yeah. long as you are not directly violating me on a consistent basis but unconditional love that's what it means to me yeah. And but the love doesn't mean that we have to coexist in this most intimate way it means that I will preserve and honour you beyond what the experience is yeah. because of the role you play so it's just I, I and, can't and, and understand your value to people I love as well mm. so even if it does benefit me to maybe attack or have condemnation of your actions if it's going to cause negative emotion in people that love me as well yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. like like I said you can do you want to be, peace you wanna be happy or you want to be right mm. and uh, yeah you know what we need to get uh, Marvin and Laura Mooka the love lady yeah. on an episode we'll do a live show together because be uh, she wrote a book uh, we had her on a few episodes back called Love Factually mm. it's like a study of <laughs> of love and uh, how it's uh, I think you'd uh, I'd love that yeah, meeting us some good minds Dane smashed it right mate what an episode we knew we knew we knew we knew we knew um, but, but, but at the same time we're always pleasantly surprised uh, that never you never know how it's going to very loving and loquacious and always and always encourages like yeah a cathartic uh, expression from both of us as well so. mm. and it's good to be in a room together with other human beings right like no, well, this yeah. is the first time I've actually met you Howard. I should have hugged you to be fair we will do at the end, end. I'm looking forward to that yeah you know it's going to be awkward there seems to be a nice familiarity oh yeah I think Howard being able to express your love of your family mm. uh, comfortably is, is, a, is a great sign, Marvin. So uh, thank you always uh, for not just your uh, support and uh, you gracing us with your presence today, but all of your support up until from we, we've met up until this point mm. because that's been a dynamic relationship. So thank you for continuing to honour that. I appreciate it. For those people who haven't known you as long as I have, where can they find out more about your good works? Uh, if you go anywhere and type in dotblackdaz as one word or dotblackdaz.com, uh, you can email us and just tell us your feelings and your emotions around fatherhood, parenting, uh, masculinity, mental health at hello at dotblackdads.com. Uh, my name is Marvin Harrison and at Marvin Harrison on everything also. But please try and get my book and like give it to any young person you know that's like under six and try and do it with them. They'll probably enjoy that more than the actual gift of the book. And the new, there's a new book. Yes, it's coming out. It's actually coming out in October. Um, okay. And it's, it's 2022 a, just for the... Yeah. For 2022. The evergreenness. Um, and it's it's like an invitation to all men about the questions that you have to ask, the things you have to consider. Mm. And what's interesting is I rooted it in black TV as well. So right. it's like the lessons you get from like Uncle Phil, oh, um, cool. from Moesha Mitchell and her family, and like well Frank Mitchell, and all those father figures, because they got there were some amazing male figures available on TV in the 90s. Ray, Ray, no Ray from Sister Sister. Ray from Sister Sister. Mr. Ogilvy from the um, Parkers. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cooper from Hanging with Mr. Yeah. Cooper. Yeah. These are all Alan, iconic. Alan Jackson from EastEnders. They're all in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Winslow from uh, Family Matters as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, 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 well, listeners go and check it out right and you know uh, I imagine it's been a labour of uh, of love Marv no uh, so it's a kind way of putting it right, right <laughs> 68,000 words definitely changed me as a human being and I'm way more peaceful now than I ever was <laughs> <laughs> go and get the book guys yeah we're, we're excited to see what the world thinks of it right Dane absolutely and yeah love for coming out Marvin and uh, to our listeners as well uh, I hope you've enjoyed the episode and make sure yeah love yourself or, and uh, reach out to somebody you love as well and just let oh. them know it will do wonders for both you and them you've been listening to Dane Baptiste questions everything hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself Howard Cullen our guest was Marvin Harrison you can follow Marvin on Instagram at Marvin Harrison for more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTeast and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram 
at DBQE Podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. Insanity Group. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.